0: Welcome to Formidable Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman
1: and Chef Cindy Wolf.
0: And today, Cindy, it's all about fish. I love that Monty Python movie. Do you know the one where, in the middle, <laughs> in the middle, there's an intermission. And uh, one of the fellows pops out and says, "Fishy, fishy, fish." Yep. And the other fellow says, "And he went, whatever I would go." <laughs> wow! They it's do was, it a couple of times, and I'm like, "Man,
1: it's they're so great."
0: That's so stupid, but yep. I'm so amused by it because yep. I'm a child.
1: Talented group of folks there. Oh yeah, that mm.
0: troublemakers those boys for sure. You could tell <laughs> they were trouble in school.
1: Worth revisiting for sure.
0: Yep no question but fish fish has got to be the most intimidating thing i think for a lot of folks so we wanted to take some time and talk about different fish how to cook them uh what are nice accompaniments sauces garnishes all that kind of business mm-hmm. and you know we're we both have kind of we're both thinking about fish we're enthusiastic about so mm-hmm. want and uh and we'll get through an idea a, a recipe and and a technique, and we'll toss a wine in there at the end so you have sort of a complete thought. Do you want to get started?
1: Yeah, I think we have to actually start with what you look for when you buy fish. Um, You know, that's the the most important thing with fish is that you have a good fishmonger, that you have a place that you buy uh, your seafood from that you trust, and um, we live in a wonderful coastal area. We have a lot of opportunity here to buy beautiful product, unlike where I grew up in northern Indiana. you know, especially when I was a kid and, uh, what was available to us was very limited. So it's, it's really nice to be here. Also, I used to live in Charleston, South Carolina and, you know, living in a coastal area down South is a very different, uh, opportunity, um, to buy product down there than it is up here. Um, when looking for, for fish anywhere, um, if you want, if you can ever buy whole fish and if you feel up to the task of filleting a whole fish, you want the eyes to be clear the gills to be deep red and the flesh to be firm. And obviously it needs to smell good. And firm flesh should bounce back at the touch. Um, if it leaves an indentation, that's a bad sign. If the eyes are cloudy, that's a bad sign. If the gills are sort of pinkish, that's a bad sign. If they're brown, don't buy it for sure. Yeah, these, um, these
0: are all signs of freshness. The, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, the gills are a great indicator. The gills, if, if you don't know, next time you see a fish, um, look where you think the fish's ears should be. And just below <laughs> that, <laughs> if it was fish earrings, they would be really long and dangly and they'd be the gills.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, just, you know, watch a video on how to fillet whatever fish you're working with. Um, if you're teaching yourself, there's so many available. Um, you can always go to the Culinary Institute of America. They have massive amounts of videos you can watch, but I mean, you know, any chef that you respect or uh, institution that you respect um, that is teaching, watch one of their videos. You need sharp knives. Uh, You always need sharp knives, but particularly when you're doing something like cutting through bone, which is what you need to do to fillet a fish. Um, And then just to get specifically into uh, sort of cooking methods, uh, remember anytime you grill something that you need to keep the product moist in the form of keeping oil on it. Um, you don't want too much oil too much oil is the enemy of the grill it can cause flare-ups which will ruin the taste of the product it basically tastes sort of like kerosene Um, so uh, also when you're sauteing something um, you want a good amount of fat in the pan but excess is unnecessary you're just wasting product and you want enough you want a hot pan and enough fat to keep the product from sticking to the bottom of the pan
0: yeah i think that's the most common error when you're going to saute a fish one Having a heavy enough pan mm-hmm. to hold enough heat to get a proper sear on it, um, to getting it hot enough, you know, yeah. before before you add the oil, getting the oil hot enough before you add the fish, you know, if there's a first little wisp of of smoke off of that oil, great, and mm-hmm. and you want a good coating in the bottom of the pan. If you don't have that, it's ha- having less oil in the pan is not going to make your fish any lighter or the dish any healthier right uh, it's just going to make your fish stick
1: and and speaking of which let's talk about what we should be cooking in um, besides the type of pan we should be cooking in canola oils i think you like what's the oil that you like um is it safflower oil safflower
0: Um, grapeseed canola all really good high heat high heat neutral
1: oils oils. Uh, i also use corn oil so um you don't want to waste something like well we, we've talked about before extra virgin olive oil is a finishing oil i rarely cook with it it's really meant to make vinaigrettes or to 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 you know coat something with or, with or just serve it with it's not meant to be cooked in yeah i mean
0: I, i'd poach a piece of swordfish in it but that's about well, it well there you go <laughs> so we'll get into all that foolishness <laughs>
1: So, that's just a little bit about how to cook, what to look for for freshness. Quick thing on note on how to fillet. So, now you're ready to cook, and you also want your product to be dry. So, I know we're not talking about scallops, but they're p- the perfect example of something that needs to be padded dry before going into a pan. Um, and I, I'm sure you, anybody that's cooked a scallop has experienced this. If that scallop isn't dry, it's going to one splatter, which we don't like because then we get burned. Two, it just won't sear as nicely. So it's the same thing with a piece of fish. Um, if there is some sort of moisture level to it, just pat it dry with a paper towel. It's that simple. Um, and then go into your hot pan with your oil and, and, and cook it. Um, one of the things about certain, there's certain fish that love, you love the skin. That's another thing to think about. Do you want to leave the skin on or do you want to take the skin off? Also, that I should tell you that as well. When you when you go to if you fillet a salmon, um, and you're now ready to if you don't want the skin on and you want to uh, remove that skin, um, one of the things they they taught us in culinary school was you, you know you get the end started. You want a slicing knife, which is a long, thin, not very wide blade. And you, and mine has a scalloped edge, which I really like. They don't all. Um, if you're buying one, I suggest getting the one with the scalloped edge. Um, Meaning that the blade itself—not the edge of the blade, but the side of the blade—is scalloped. Um, it keeps things from sticking to it. And um, um, you you get it started. You know, you go to cut between the skin and the and the fish itself. The fish fish itself. Um, and then you do a little slit in there. What you can do is put your thumb in there or one of your fingers in there, and you can hold that. And then you can flatten your knife and run it down between the meat of the of the fish and the skin, and it gives you something really to hold on to. I don't know if that is understandable without um, seeing it. Can you make it sound more understandable, Tony? It's Pro- just probably not. That it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty
0: visual idea. Yeah. That okay. You you it, have to be able because fish is slippery and it will go flying yeah. out of your hand. You need some <laughs> kind of a little notch in yeah. the skin to hold it still.
1: Yeah, so you just hold that with that left hand and, and pull pull and, and, and slice uh, the skin off, which is actually kind of fun to do, and it's very rewarding when you do it well, quite frankly. Do, if there's very patiently. little flesh left on that skin, you are doing a good job, and you should congratulate yourself.
0: Yeah, you, it's something that you're aiding it to be peeled, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, my fish is rockfish to start with um, I like the skin on rockfish I think everyone does um, when your your goal with that is to get that skin crispy and that's all in oh one other tool we should talk about is a fish spatula um, I will say that global makes a gorgeous fish spatula it is not inexpensive I think they're like they're I've been buying them for years for cooks and things I think they're up to like almost $75 each now I think yeah, used it's
0: to it's, a, it's a slotty slotted sort of... Uh, wandy, bouncy sort of spatula. That yeah,
1: they're flexible.
0: It gosh, is, they're it's just... not like the old uh, burger flipper that's like a chunk of steel and right. No, but it's it's right. pretty thin and has big slots and mm-hmm. and uh, and is very helpful.
1: Oh my gosh! And there, and honestly, like. I've used them to stir pot before. You know, I mean, if I had vegetables, like green vegetables. I mean, you know, it's right there because we always, in the kitchen, we always have them. And, uh, you know, that's not what it's for. But, gosh, I mean, it's just a darn useful piece of equipment. Um, and they'll last forever. Oh, yeah, and they're stainless steel. You know, just take care of it. It's not going anywhere. You should have it for the rest of your life, quite frankly. it's a, when, you, when you get the one with a solid piece of metal, um, if so, you have a so separate wood handle, it might fall apart.
0: So let's talk about a rockfish dish. I mean, that's... Okay rockfish, the sea bass that we get from the bay that we often think of as being special and you'll get from all the way down to like Virginia coast and that sort of thing. And sometimes out of season here, you'll get it from, what, off Long Island, right?
1: Yeah, it's a northeastern seaboard uh, fish. It does go down south, but it's really, really uh, concentrated up here. And um, it's a white fish, big flakes, um, can be a very large fish, uh, it's, it has a sweet tone to it, nice and clean. Um, it's just a—it's a great fish. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a hearty fish, but it's not an oily fish like tuna, or swordfish, um, or sardines. It has, it has good
0: say. flavor. It doesn't mm-hmm. have a mild flavor. It has real flavor, so you can do something preparation-wise with it. Right. They can handle right. You can flavor.
1: serve olives with with this fish, which you would not always think of with a white flaky fish um olives are very very flavorful very oily um and have trem- yeah just tremendous flavor so i mean you can you can do so many different things with a rockfish in the summertime a tomato basil relish with great extra virgin olive oil a little bit more acid if your tomatoes are nice and sweet lime juice um, add cilantro to it red onion green onion um shallots you could you know just bright fresh crunchy tomatoey relish with it delicious all the way to red wine reduction, which again, you know, this fish can kind of just stand up to anything pretty much. Um, you always want, you know, what, what, what's your goal? Where in the menu are you eating this fish? Is it your entree? Is it a middle course? Um, are you going to have it as a first course raw? Like we serve a lot of rockfish ceviche, which I do in an unusual way. Uh, I do it in a couple of different ways. One of the more unusual ways is we actually serve thin slices of the rockfish, almost like sashimi. And then, um, we just lay what is a traditional marinade on top of it as we serve it to the guest rather than the traditional ceviche, which would be the fish would be marinated for hours or so in a very acidic uh, marinade. Um, we also are doing right now we're doing rockfish tartare. So we're actually chopping it and adding what's basically, you know, jalapenos, cilantro, red onion, lime juice, extra virgin olive oil, and salt and pepper, super bright and fresh. So you can cook it, you can serve it raw if it's a great fresh product. Obviously, it has to be very fresh um, and a great product to serve raw, which, you, frankly, you should be able to get here because it comes from our waterways. It's all over the Chesapeake Bay. Um,
0: Want to take take a second, and people often think, oh, you know, and, and Lord knows your cooking leans plenty French. Um, what's a classical French sauce for rockfish seared in a pan, you know, finished in the oven? that you would serve? And, and how would you garnish it? What's, okay. a, what's a good example that people could make at home?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I can say beurre blanc uh, because I use it a lot, but I'll say something else. Um, sauce remoulade, okay, this is easy to make at home. Sauce remoulade is basically a French mustard, a, French, a cold French sauce that is mustard and mayonnaise. Um, it has other ingredients in it, but it is all about an excellent mayonnaise with an excellent uh, French mustard in it. And then we add um, a little bit of Tabasco, a little bit of fresh lemon juice, and a little bit of finely chopped parsley and chives uh, to the remoulade. So that's a cold sauce, super easy, great in the summertime. Uh, a richer, more serious sauce for the wintertime. Um, probably a tomato sauce with a little bit of cream in it. So a little bit of shallot sauteed gently in butter, add a tiny bit of finely chopped garlic, deglaze with a little bit of red wine, add pureed tomato um, and finish with cream, a little bit of salt and pepper. So a sort of traditional French tomato, nothing Italian about it, um, the way the classic tomato sauce basically is made. And you can uh, pass that sauce if you want to remove the garlic and shallot and make a little bit of finer. Um, barouge is a reduction of red wine and shallot, a lot of red wine, a lot of shallot reduced down to almost nothing and adding cold butter to finish. Um, we also add a little bit of port to our barouge because barouge can be very, very acidic and the natural sugar content of the port helps to balance that out. And honestly, the combination of a, of a nice red wine and a a decent port, um, with that fish is spectacular. Uh, salmon also loves um, Uh Rockfish is probably on the edge of being able to stand up to that.
0: So if you're, if you're putting wine with your rockfish preparations, rockfish has a lot of flavor, as I mentioned. If it's the red wine butter sauce, the Berouge, it, it's a red but a lighter red that you want, you know, whether it's Pinot Noir, for example, or... or a, a Pinot Noir from Burgundy or from the Alta J or you know, those are a little bit lighter it might be nicer in some cases um, you could even get away with a lighter Cote de Rambillage
1: mm-hmm. nice
0: if it's um, Beaublanc or if it's uh, the remoulade is kind of an extreme situation because you'll want something a little bit fruitier because you still put Cornichon in your remoulade no
1: you can you don't yeah. have to
0: if if the cornichon and and the mustard is a little spicy in there, you'll maybe Als- wine from Alsace is really successful, uh, an Alsace Riesling or a Pinot Blanc. Which the can also tartar be really sauce. Good value the traditional
1: well. French tartar sauce is the one really that has the cornichon in it. Um, and with that tartar sauce, when we make that, um, we also during truffle season we'll add truffle to it, and it is a way to use a little bit of truffle uh get away with a little bit of truffle and i mean i put a lot in mine but it goes a long way yeah it really does and it it, that can be quite quite spectacular i think one of the other fun things to do with a piece of uh, fish like rockfish um is to take the skin off and uh coat it with sliced potatoes this is a very also a very traditional french method and wow does that make a great moist piece of fish Um, you know you get the crispiness uh, from the potato and the fish sort of almost steams inside well it does it doesn't almost it does steam inside of those potatoes and that is a pretty and you need to season it you want to make sure you have good salt in there before you put the potatoes on it and then you want to salt and possibly pepper the potatoes so with the thin potato slices uh, you want to saute that in a if you have a steel pan if not a stainless steel pan with uh, good neutral oil in it and that needs to be hot uh, and if you coat that fish basically cover the whole fish with the thin slices of potato uh, you go into that hot pan and start to let it uh, become golden brown and finish it in the oven
0: so when we come back on Formidable Fun Food and Wine it's more fish and Cindy I want to swing to Bronzino and talk mm. about great fish different ways of cooking it much more accessible than it used to be all of that and more on Formidable Fun Food and Wine welcome back to formative wolf on food and wine i'm tony foreman
1: and chef cindy wolf
0: and we're talking fish today Mm -hmm. And uh, you spend time on rockfish. So something that cooks, a, a big favorite of mine, I know you like it very much as well, mm-hmm. is a Mediterranean fish, uh, bronzino. Um, th- there's another Mediterranean fish that, that's a sea bream in English, but we, you and I both think of it as uh, giurado. giurado. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I like those fish the way that the Italians will often do them, which is simply grilled. Uh, you you would treat the fish the same way, and it's nice to have the skin on. The skin has good oil. The Branzino has a little more oil than rockfish, a little bit less than durad. Durad, it's funny that, that you would think when you see a filet that you want to cook a durad, um, that it's like the little brother of rockfish, you know. It's just a little bit smaller flake, um, but the texture is very similar. So grilling Branzino, you, and you talked about grilling rockfish, Super easy. The thing about that is you can always get garnishes and whatnot just ready to go on a plate.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the classical Mediterranean sauces is Samarillo sauce. And there are a couple of different versions. I will admit to like in the Calabrian version, probably more than anything else. And that doesn't mean that there's Calabrian chili in there. Uh, but they they usually only make it in the summertime or when you can get fresh oregano. And it's Parsley, it's extra virgin olive oil, parsley, oregano. Uh, some of the oil from the lemon peel, just a small amount, but it does make a difference. Um, garlic, it, honestly a decent amount of garlic, very, very finely, you know, very fine was, mm-hmm. almost crushed. And, um, and I'll put a drop of white wine in there uh, for the acid along with that lemon. And uh, and you and you kind of marinate that for a little bit, and classically it's salt and pepper. If you use a tiny bit of Calabrian chili, also really nice. For my salt, I will admit to cheating and using a little bit of uh, olive brine.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: Yeah, and 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 that that tossed in there makes the whole thing a little bit more umami, and okay. uh, which is amazing with the the fish. So if you have nice crispy fish. Skin up from the grill on the bronzino mm-hmm. and that sauce you can put almost any darn thing with it. It can just be very simple roasted potatoes, or i I love it very much with artichokes. if you oh, want to yes. go to the trouble of you know breaking down artichokes and and cooking the bottoms, you have a great method for cooking them with uh, uh lemon and olive oil mm-hmm. so but that's simple to do. And good excuse for a Southern Italian white, you know, whether it's like a Sicilian grecante or uh, or and and those are good value wines too.
1: It's a nice, light, healthy approach to eating fish. I mean, fish is just so important to a diet with weight loss. Um, you know, I I when I uh, found out I was diabetic, I knew I had to lose a lot of weight, and I immediately just eat started eating like. Fish like that you know a- a- and i have the luxury of working in a restaurant where i have beautiful fish to eat every day and i can say to a cook you know let me have some you know olives and eric of wilted spinach or whatever but i mean it's not it, like you said that's what you just talked about Is easy to do at home you just have to find the ingredients which is much easier to do now than it was even five years ago 10 years ago and certainly 20 years ago um so you know it's 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 fish is something that we need to do everything we can to preserve our waterways uh and to 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 you know help our environment because we do not want to lose this extremely healthy product uh that we love to consume um but yeah so those italian preps are can just be so very healthful
0: yeah you know that's that anyway that's way up my personal alley but i think people can mm-hmm. achieve that pretty easily
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and if if you wanted to have a red with it you can, you can get away with that. Again, it's probably a Sicilian red that I, would, that I would have. The wine's from the north slope of Mount Etna. Hmm. Uh, the, the grape is kind of an ancient one, 3,300 years. It's, been, it's grown on that. <laughs> Not the vines themselves right now, though some of them are hundreds of years old. But the grape is Norella mascalese. And it has a cousin, Norella Capuccio. Hmm. But you would just you, usually see on the label Etna rosso. And it's something that's about the weight of a lighter Pinot Noir, but riper, and uh, some it, definitely a flavor of cherries. But you can you can sort of underneath it all, the volcano is there. You get that very very dark minerality that's very particular to that kind of soil.
1: It's an active volcano. It is. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's I had beautiful. a friend who
0: lost part of his vineyard to a lava flow
1: two years ago. <sighs> wow. So the ash is part of the current environment. That's amazing. Well, that's terrible, what happened to him, but
0: uh, yeah. The centuries and centuries and millennia of that has enriched the soil in very particular ways. Yeah, that's amazing. What's next fish on your list?
1: Well, an easy one for people to get. It's just you have to get a good, fresh one. And they come from all over, so that's salmon. Uh, And now this is a higher-fat content fish, not necessarily in a bad way, Um, it's good fat, but um, it's one of the reasons why we like salmon so much. It's an easier fish to cook because it does have fat. Fat means moisture, fat means flavor, fat means easy to eat that fish, medium rare, if you like your fish that way, easy to eat it raw. Really, I love salmon tartare. It's one of my favorite things to eat and to make. Um I do cook my salmon medium rare when I know you know obviously we buy good great fresh products so um I think that uh it gets a great sear uh again you can have the skin on or you can have the skin off one of the other things I would tell you about uh getting ready to cook a piece of fish when you have uh, left. If you have filleted a, a piece of fish and you've decided to leave the skin on, take that knife and run your knife blade the length of the skin against the direction of the scales to make sure that you've gotten every single one of those scales off. You do yeah, not want to eat not a fish, fun to fish scale too. No. no, they're awful. Um, and the other thing too is that that will also remove most of the moisture from the skin, which will also help you to have a beautiful, crisp skin if you do that right before you're cooking. Mm. It's hard I, to do to a small piece of fish, but if you fillet it. My
0: daughters are like religious fanatics about salmon. <laughs> they love it so much.
1: That's not good. That's good. And
0: it, once in a while in the winter, I'll, I'll make Bernays, classical Bernays uh, for it. And that is the top of the pyramid salmon for the girls. If I do that and I do fries with... Oh, literally, <laughs> literally,
1: salmon fries with Bearnaise. That's,
0: you, you, you cannot be a better dad than that
1: dad. Uh, just I, that. I, I believe you. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you want yeah, to talk Bearnaise. about Bearnaise? Yeah, Bearnaise is fun to make. Um, again, I, I think it's, it's so much fun to do something like that successfully. You should be so proud of yourself when you do execute a great Hollandaise. There, and uh, the Bearnaise is a derivative of ho- Hollandaise. Hollandaise is the mother sauce. There are five mother sauces in French cooking. Hollandaise is one of them, um, and that is because of its method. Its method is unusual to the other four mother sauces. It is an egg-based sauce that has oil in it, and it is an emulsion. I'm sorry, it doesn't have, it doesn't have an oil in it. It has butter in it. Um, so uh, when you go to make hollandaise, you t- traditionally would have a reduction of white wine, shallots, uh, maybe a little bit of bay leaf peppercorn. You would strain that and add that, to egg yolks as you are whisking them over a double boiler on the stove so in this case the best way to use a double boiler is a a metal mixing bowl inside of a pot sitting in a pot Uh, that pot has you know maybe 25 percent full of water that is simmering Um, you may have to turn it down at some point Um, you want to watch the heat level of that that simmering water. If it gets too hot, you'll scramble the egg or harden the egg while it's in the bowl. You don't want that. You just want it to heat the egg. So you're whisking that reduction with egg yolks, six egg yolks per pound of butter. Um, The fresher the egg, the better the hollandaise. Uh, You only want a little bit of that reduction, say a tablespoon or two uh, for the egg. You whisk it until it becomes a little bit warm, albeit a little bit cooked uh, and a little bit thickened and from its natural state and um, then you have butter that has melted on the stove in a pot and traditionally you would use clarified butter uh, which means the milk solids has been, have been removed um, and you just have the clear fat you would whisk and gently slowly ladle the butter in sort of in the beginning it's sort of almost drop by drop to get the emulsification started you never stop whisking while you're adding whisk and add, whisk and add at the same time, the fat, which is the butter. Um, and so you're whisking, you're adding, and as it becomes more, uh, more stable emulsion, you can add fat faster, uh, but never qu- super quick, because if you, it, the egg can only absorb so much fat at s- so quickly. That's what it is. It's The egg is taking on the fat. It's like it's eating it. It's eating the fat, well, and it can it, only it lit, eat so much fat is, at a time.
0: literally is absorbing it. So yeah.
1: yeah, it's absorbing it. The um, molecules of the, of the, of the fat, the, yeah.
0: the butter go inside the, the yeah. molecules of the So egg. I
1: will tell you that that is not how I make my hollandaise. That is a traditional way of making hollandaise. Um, some people also put vinegar in that reduction. I do mine with fresh lemon juice, Tabasco, and salt, and I use whole butter. I don't use all of the milk solids, but I like the flavor of the milk solids. Um, I like a, a thick hollandaise, so you can only use so much of the milk solids. It does water down the hollandaise because that's what it is. Um, it's it's water and milk. Um, um, so from the from the fat from the butter. So uh, I whisk my eggs with a, with a drop of, it's not much Tabasco, it's like a drop of Tabasco. If I was doing hollandaise for two people, it would literally be probably two drops. Um, and maybe the juice of half of a lemon to start, whisk that in with your eggs, get it going, add a little salt, and then, because I also use unsalted butter. I use unsalted butter in all of my cooking. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, I always use unsalted you butter. You can
0: always add salt.
1: Yeah, you can always add salt, exactly. Salt and butter was used as a preservative we don't need that anymore. So you don't need the salt in your butter. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. And uh, so lemon juice, Tabasco. And you can adjust the lemon juice and Tabasco at the end if you want a little bit more. Um, Tabasco really is, is not meant to, you're not meant to taste it. It just gives it a little bit of a something, something.
0: And Yeah, the, the, the baronades that I make, I use uh, a little lemon juice, but, but a, a good splash of tarragon vinegar. Mm-hmm. And then, at, as as classical, a lot of chopped tarragon mm-hmm. finishing the sauce once it's totally completed cooking and it's the right texture, and just work that in off the heat.
1: Well, and that that's what takes it from being hollandaise to bearnaise is the addition of tarragon. So charron that adds tomato paste, right? Yeah, choron is sauce. Is, uh, a-
0: is hollandaise with with tomato paste yeah
1: that's another good one Chiron is a, another good one especially for salmon oh salmon likes tomato Yeah, um, so that's that's a fun one for salmon
0: you want to get away with uh, having salmon with Chateauneuf de Uh sauce, <laughs> sauce Chiron is a very good way to do that there you go good uh, with, the salmon, with, with the salmon with the salmon with the uh honestly you can do a big American Chardonnay if you want to hmm. Um, very good red burgundy match really mm-hmm. in a heartbeat or northern Pimonte mm-hmm and that is the same bernese that you would make for, uh, you know, the people think of for a steak, but it it's great for the fish, oh, especially sure. rich fish like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, bernese is good for an awful lot of things. A poached egg on there would be fun too. You could have that for brunch. A nice, beautiful piece of salmon, poached egg, little bernese, maybe a little pomzana, maybe a little, or duck fat <laughs> roasted potatoes. <laughs> Oh. You
0: just, yeah, you, that, that's the uh, go to sleep after brunch, even though I eat fish <laughs> kind of brunch.
1: A nice big green salad for everybody. ugh oh, that sounds good.
0: So let, let's let's sneak one more fish in here.
1: Mm-hmm. You go, Tony.
0: All right. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll mention one that you don't necessarily, I know that you don't love to cook it and I don't understand why. Monkfish. No, I know that you don't oh. like to eat that and I love monkfish. <laughs> monkfish is tricky Monkfish is tricky because it you, it's, it's sort of almost in between shellfish <laughs> and fish, right? Right. And like shellfish, it tightens up a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just so, don't like it at all. I don't like anything about monkfish. That's me. I'm weird. That's mon- all it is. It's monkfish, not fair. It's not almost, fair to the
0: little monkfish. No. It's, so what it's,
1: fish were you going to talk about?
0: I'm going to talk about monkfish now.
1: Oh <laughs> wait wait, I want to know what so the fish the, was the, that I don't like to cook. To me,
0: the the trick with cooking monkfish <laughs> mm-hmm. is a very low temperature, and you treat it almost the way that you would treat lobster. Mm-hmm. And you don't you're not exactly butter poaching it, but it's kind of like um, a lower heat, a decent level of butter in the pan, uh, a little white wine in the pan, and take your time with it, and you and. You would try to cook it so that you don't feel the texture tighten up completely. Yeah. So that means a pretty low temperature. So it's going to take a little while to cook. Uh, but it is it is marvelous. Uh, with the potato puree, that monkfish, and just pick a sauce. Right. You know, p- pick a sauce. That's an easy, very, very easy. Uh, another one that loves artichokes, honestly. But that... it. it People will call it the poor man's lobster because it has that sort of texture and has that sort of a tone to it. And monkfish, you you cook through just about.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It's one of those things you pull out of the pan, you let it rest a little bit, and then if you're slicing it, slice it, and then if you're just going to a plate with it, go on a plate with it. But it is truly the ugliest fish if you ever get a whole one. And they're big fish too, so. Oh, Cindy, I've upset you with the monkfish. (laughs) <laughs> when Not we come back all. On Formula Wolf and Food and Wine We'll talk about Other fish That Cindy actually likes And how to cook those In sauces and wines <laughs> All that and more On WIPI. Welcome back to Foreman & Wolf on Food & Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're all about fish today. Cindy, since I've upset you with the monkfish, (laughs) what is next on your list? Something you have genuine affection for.
1: I love Turbo so, so much. Um, It is a flat fish. It is fun to fillet because you actually fillet it from the middle of the side to the edge on both sides. So you get four fillets from one fish rather than two. Um, It is sweet beautiful mild it's just one of the loveliest of all fish i love cooking it um you want to take the skin off of it um it cooks in. you know we get small fillets so i mean it cooks in like two minutes literally uh even a six ounce piece you it's just if you've ever had dover sole it sort of looks a little bit like dover sole it's a yep. little bit firmer in texture than dover sole it doesn't flake uh, in little tiny flakes like dover sole does but yeah, it's a fine fish.
0: Yeah, Turbo is terrific. At most any flat fish like that, like sole, uh, like that, what is the fish from Maine? Well, I guess they call it lemon sole most often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they, they all do well. What's a favorite preparation for you for Turbo? Uh, it's,
1: it's super simple. Lemon brown butter with capers um, is the simplest and really, quite frankly, is the best. Any flat fish like that loves that. Um, that's a traditional preparation for Dover sole as well. Um, You know, just near the end, you can either add the butter to the pan uh, and allow it to brown in that pan or you can run a pan separately and have that butter browning. It does take a couple of minutes for butter to come to the point of caramelization. Hit it with capers, lemon juice, a little bit of parsley and just nappe it right over the fish. No parsley, add chive. No chive, don't put anything. You don't have to have a green uh, herb in there. But yeah, capers, uh, lemon brown butter, and one of my other favorite things, we make a carrot puree. And it's so delicious. I'm in love with madras curry. We use a mild curry when we make our lobster soup, and the spice content is so very, very different from what is in the madras curry mixture. And um, um, I just, yeah, I'm just a real fan of madras curry. And so we make a carrot puree where we cook the carrots in water with a tiny bit of salt, sugar, and. Um, Yeah, just salt and sugar actually and then we rice them we put the once the carrots are cooked and they're tender not mush but soft um, we drain them put them through the ricer and then we add uh, butter honey the mattress curry and salt and pepper and it's absolutely gorgeous and it's so good with turbo Um, and uh, i've also served that with a piece of seared foie gras on top and I mean, I know you're not probably doing that at home, but if you want to do that at home, I highly suggest it because it's really, really good. Um, it's, it's a little bit gilding the lily to add a little bit of blanc to that plate, but I will tell you that, yeah, i do it. Um, and uh, yeah, but that's, that's beautiful. Or if you want to, you know, just totally forget the idea of the foie gras, um, the carrot puree is really good with fresh English peas, fava beans, or roasted chipolini onions, or there's just so many great things that will go with the carrots and the fish.
0: Maybe take one second, um, brown butter. I think not everyone understands the whole idea. Brown butter is sort of the the opposite of what you would do for a You don't want the butter to separate, Mm -hmm. but brown butter, you do. Mm -hmm. The the thing is, I don't know that, the key, I think, for most people, they don't always have the patience with it that they should, Right, and they want to add the other ingredients to the brown butter too soon, instead of off the heat.
1: That's because you've seen cooks do that. That's why you say that. Oh, um, that's yeah. Yeah, that makes it's me flip it's out. It, it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. You know, you are you're, you're you're browning. You're browning the milk solids. That's what's happening, and a little bit the fat, but mostly it's the, the more volatile part of the butter that you're browning, and yeah, it you it want it to brown. It takes a marvelous smell. Yeah. It, oh, gosh. Yeah. It's just so darn delicious. Um, you you, you, you want to be gentle with it. I mean, you can be on high heat, but once it gets to a certain point, you don't want, you know, burnoisette is as far as you go, which is a, is, is brown. Uh, you don't want to go to black. It is not, that's going to taste burned. And um, if you're too golden, you're not brown enough. It's not, it's, it's a nutty flavor. It's a natural nutty flavor. And you want it to be that sort of medium brown color. And yeah, it takes a little while. It takes probably three minutes, um, to do that. Uh, I mean, you want to do it on, you know, you want to be on, like I said, you can be on high heat. You want to be in a stainless steel pan, but you've got to watch it because the moment, it's the moment it's done. It needs to get out of that pan because well, what, of carry overcooking.
0: cooking. Yeah. Once it's Brown, then it happens quickly. Like he's, like you he said, that's the, that's the thing. That's when you go ahead and add salt or you add lemon juice and you know Mm -hmm. i mean honestly like chives sprinkle on top after you sauce the piece of fish or something yeah yeah you don't need to go into the pan with the chives no you don't don't want to fry the chives
1: exactly 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 (laughs) yeah you can add it to the top of the fish whether it's the parsley or or chives the
0: other fish i was going to talk about that i think you like better than uh monkfish monkfish (laughs) uh well i was going to talk about two that are very similar one is cod uh, the other is is we call it hake in English or merluza, and sometimes cooks don't cooks don't love these fish because they are difficult to cook.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: G- getting the pan exactly right, like when we're talking about g- getting the oil level right, getting the heat level right, getting it to actually sear in the pan. Cod wants to stick more than anything wants to stick. Yes. And you kind of have to resign yourself to the fact that some of it, at some point, will probably break apart. And that is not the end of the world. No, right. Um, It does mean that fish bachelor is a very big deal. And cod is another fish that you're not chasing medium rare on that fish. No. You you want something pretty cooked through. And Mm -hmm. and merluza the same way. Yes. Um, But that... One of my all-time favorite fish preparations, and I think you know this one and like this one, is Vizcaina sauce, mm-hmm. which is that you know, Spanish sauce from Basque country. Uh, that is a relatively equal, you know, it's it's an olive oil based sauce, uh, but there's plenty of roasted tomato, roasted sweet peppers, and some a few hot peppers in there as well. Not crazy, mm-hmm. just enough to give us enough to get your attention, not enough to hurt you. <laughs> And and a lot of sweet onion and all very slow roasted, and you very simply just puree that. You know that's, that's it's it's that's that. Delicious. puree that season that if you've done the work with the vegetables that you should. And that's very easy to have like ready to go on the side or, or in a pan finishing maybe you know. Take very good oil when it's come when it comes off the heat and give it one last zhuzh mm-hmm. with really good olive oil. But that just napade on uh, meaning, you know, covering mm-hmm. like like a blanket of sauce on a piece of cod or a piece of merloza is one of my favorite things in the whole world. And potatoes are a great that, that that is that is the the dish really. You want slices of roasted potato onto that. So good.
1: One of the things about, you know, cooking fish and doing any really, cooking is all about experience. And that's another reason why people are afraid to start. You know, oh, I don't know about cooking fish because you know. Oh, you're gonna screw
0: up the cod the first time. Yeah, and that's what I was gonna say.
1: (laughs) Especially with a fish like cod, you're you're gonna make a mistake. It's okay. You know, I don't think your family's all gonna go running screaming out of the house yelling, you know, fire. Um, It's it's you have to be patient with yourself when you're teaching yourself how to cook, and and it's a process. And I mean. I'm I'm 57 years old. I've been cooking since I professionally since I was 19. I'm still learning and you know, I will learn every day for the rest of my life because it is a big world of cooking and, um, experience is what matters. So buy it again the next week. Maybe don't buy it again tomorrow because maybe the family won't want the cod again tomorrow, but try it again (laughs) next week. (laughs) And you know, just keep trying, give yourself a break, you know, try to have fun with it and do your best. It is not life-threatening, you know? So just do your best and, and keep trying. You know, it was good that you pointed out that that fish needs to be cooked all the way through because I talked about the salmon and how I like it medium-rare, or I like to eat it raw, or rockfish. I like to eat it raw. I may like to eat rockfish raw, but I sure don't want it medium-rare on the inside when I'm cooking it. And now that's the difference. That's the interesting thing. Yeah, and that's, that's what you, that, n- you, well, should, you, know, you should... How juicy is the
0: fish? What is the texture going to be like on the inside? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the that that's thing th- that... Cod or merluza are really juicy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, halibut is another one that oh. built differently, but yeah. really juicy. You have to cook halibut through.
1: All the way through, right. And halibut, oh boy, that's a fun one to cook at home too. And you really need a fish spat like for that fish too, like you said with the cod, because it flakes into big flakes. And if you do take it all the way, it is going to fall apart on you. A um, local fish that does
0: that and is a pretty good buy when it's in season can be terrific is fluke. Uh, you get that right yeah. off the right off the coast here and and that will take a lot of the same preparations just often a little more delicate than something like cod or marloza
1: i think a fish that's also uh can be uh a good price is mahi and that's a fish that i don't think people up here know so much about um to, that's a fish that was very popular when i was down south cooking and um just you know i think the advantage with mahi is that it is less expensive um Nothing is inexpensive now, unfortunately, with what's going on in the world. But
0: Mahi has that nice steaky texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know, good with olives. That that that's good with beans. I'll tell you what. Yeah, that's my all time yeah, Exactly. The, the you know very well the dish, the fish tostada that mm-hmm. I love and love to make. Mm-hmm. It's a black bean stew and the fish and pickled cabbage and you know, and the tortilla of course. Mm -hmm. and avocado and 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 just and just play you know you're you're just building and and that piece of grilled mahi but that's that's the best one Mm -hmm. and a squeeze of lime juice and
1: yeah nice fish like tuna very different cooking fun to cook great to grill oh my goodness so great on a summer day um you know give it some gorgeous grill marks it's your time to shine as a grill cook it's so easy to grill mark. Um, just make sure your grill is clean. Every time you go to turn that fish to make your diamond marks, use your grill brush, clean it down, lightly re-oil it. I use a I use a, a brand-new kitchen towel. We have white kitchen towels that we use. We roll them, we tie them with butcher's twine, and we dip them in oil. And that's what we use to oil our grills. I strongly suggest doing that at home. You're probably going to go through some kitchen towels, but, you know, whatever. I mean, it's worth it, and it's the <laughs> easiest way to grill. Um uh, to and, keep your grill nice and oiled without like burning yourself or doing something weird i mean like one time i had to do i was grilling at home and i didn't have one and i tried to use paper towel
0: <laughs>
1: and yeah, of course that's a good it worked catch but fire it, yeah, yeah but it's it didn't catch fire but you know it's not the nicest easiest thing to do with your hand i can do it because my hand no. can take pretty much anything well, you, but you, you yeah you can use tongs it, for that Cindy it's okay yeah whatever but, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, with, yeah. So, yeah, the tuna on a grill is so good. And yeah, it just, it can take so many hearty things.
0: Let's talk about cutting tuna real quick. Mm-hmm. For me, a, a thin filet makes no sense. Right. What I want, honestly, I don't like it on the grill, but I'd rather have it in a pan. And I'd rather have it cut in a block, basically, and give it like 30 seconds at most on each side, roll it around like a big square, and then, and then, rest it like you would a piece of meat, and cut your slices. And that, that can take a very simple, beautiful garnish.
1: Yeah, and please cook it medium rare. If you're going to buy a beautiful piece of tuna, I mean, I understand yeah, that there's, everybody- there's
0: your tomato basil, you know, yeah. shallot, you know, that summertime sauce.
1: Mm-hmm. Or roasted tomato fondue, or olives and capers and red onion, or grilled red onion. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do with with tuna yeah. and swordfish they sort of act the same way
0: yeah swordfish you just want to cook more it's it's I tougher agree. tuna you, you want to keep it very rare to, mm-hmm. to my taste and i think to yours as well yes um swordfish you, you want it medium medium well mm-hmm. the, the texture is not really as tender as it should be un- until you get there so but there's I, a I, I do love that
1: a lot and it will take
0: really hearty flavors on the plate
1: for sure yeah, there's a, a pumpkin swordfish that you can buy. I don't know if that's ever in the markets for folks, but I know you've seen it, Tony. Oh, my gosh. It's pumpkin colored. It is so good. I, I It's just, it's very rare. It's, you know, one time a season that you can get it. And oh, my goodness, well worth it. Also, speaking of unusual when wild, king sa- wild salmons are available, if you can get that, go for it. It is such a treat to get the wild fish when it's available. And, and I've seen it in the market, so you can get it. Um, but yeah, definitely look out for wild uh, salmons when they're around.
0: I'm going to dash backwards one second, and then we've got to wrap up. Um, Rioja, the cod, this gallina that I talked about, mm-hmm. Rioja, that's a magical combination. Good. You, you will love that. Red Rioja.
1: Okay. Nice. Thank you.
0: If you'd like to download this or any other one of our episodes, uh, go to wypr.org, look for the Foreman Wolf page, and uh, there should be a full menu of programs there. If you want to correspond with us via email, it's at foremanwolf@wypr.org. Uh, Cindy's ever-popular social media addresses:
1: <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Wolf.
0: My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks for listening.
1: Happy Sunday.